Welcome back to your political playlist. I'm your host, Emily Tish Sussman. Coming off an almost too lively election season, we're following up with Andrea Haley, CEO of Vote.org. Despite the unlikely elements of the pandemic, voters made history last year with a record number of Americans voting in the 2020 election. It's nice to finally be making some good history. Tactics to keep people from voting are nothing new, but former President Trump's continued claims of voter fraud have set off a whole new wave of attempts to limit voting access. Today, we hear from Andrea about the voter suppression bills that we're seeing at a state level across the country. Welcome, Andrea. Hey, so good to see you. Hello, good to see you too. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. What This is like maybe our fourth or fifth time talking in the last couple of months to year because I need you. Like I need your, I need your democracy and voting expertise like approximately every couple of weeks. <laughs> I'm here for you. So uh, excited to join. Okay. Amazing. Andrea Haley, CEO of vote.org. So We're framing this up, the big lie, right? Like, this is what happened right around the election. Trump says the election was stolen from him, and suddenly every Republican started falling in line. Just to give this some context, just this week, House Republicans have ousted Representative Cheney from their leadership because she did not say, agree, basically, with the big lie. Um, And it feels like it's becoming a litmus test for Republicans, definitely at a federal level, So you're focused on voting, right? And like what's going on at the states. Help us understand how the big lie is actually getting played out right now in state level policies. Well, what we're seeing across the country, and you know, I think that giving a little bit of a history of the last few months um, was exactly the, you know, right place to start because what we actually saw in the 2020 election is a safe and secure election that had some of the highest participation in America that we've seen in a long time in our, you know, in our lifetime, certainly in over a hundred years, really. Right. Like we like that, right? Like, don't we feel good about that? (laughs) Yes. We saw a jump in youth voting, which was really exciting. We saw a jump in, um, you know, participation across the board. We saw a jump in uh, voting in black communities. We saw a jump in voting in AAPI communities. I mean, this is a really great thing. This should be a celebration of our democracy. Um, because it worked, people are engaged and, and showed up and, and really cared and cast their vote and had their voice heard. And what we're seeing is that instead of celebrating that and building on that and aspiring to a day where we see, I don't know, 80% turnout in America, which is what it would look like to have just a thriving, strong, healthy um, democracy, instead of celebrating and, and, and looking to build, Um, we saw a wave of bills come across the country um, in several states, I mean, in most states across the country, looking to roll back voting rights, um, looking to create a system where less people could participate. Um, And it's really a backlash to the American people having their, you know, voice heard. um, So after that, we see the big lie um, occur of saying that we did not have safe and you know secure elections. Um, claims that that uh, were just patently false happen, and they're being used to justify um, why we need rollbacks in voting rights. And um, what is difficult and confusing at times is they're being done under the guise of 
you know, election security or something like that. Like words I'm usually using and talking about and election right. integrity. And, and here though, it's this, you know, a little bit of gaslighting where we have kind of the, it's like the arsonists pretending to be firefighters. Um, we have a situation where people are say, doing this under the guise of um, uh, security when really there, there isn't an issue. We don't have a problem there. Um, and what they're looking to do is pick and choose voters uh, and really bring about, you know, less participation and um, ultimately lower numbers of people voting. Well, when you're talking about, you know, like the gaslighting, like the saying where we don't have a problem, that's based on the, um, if I understand, that's the Republican-led legislatures passing through or introducing and passing through bills that limit the right to votes based on the idea that there's all this voter fraud out there. And so we need it to be more secure. I mean, that's nothing new, right? Like we had had Stacey Abrams on the podcast last year, like, a, you know, a, I guess a year and a half ago. <laughs> I don't, I've lost track of time. <laughs> um, but, you know, that like pre-pandemic talking about how there was a big wave in the first place to do that. And then the pandemic kind of unpenned even what we had understood about what was happening about voting because people did want to be able to have more voting options. And some of those stayed temporary, like the ability to vote by mail, vote on different days, like those were things that people who are trying to expand the right to vote have been pushing, like you, have been pushing for a long time and ended up getting adopted. Like how well did we do, I guess is my question, in 2020 in terms of accessing the vote? And um, is it going to stay? We did it. You know, we did a great job in 2020. Of course, there are places that um, I still feel are behind the times, uh, you know, that did not adjust. But for the most part, many states adjusted. We did things like created longer early vote times. So people didn't have to wait in long lines as much because those long lines, you know, in COVID, people didn't want to do that. And so states adjusted. Uh, states adjusted by um, extending vote by mail deadlines um, and, and sometimes implementing vote by mail, uh, you know, greatly expanding vote by mail for the first time. Um, those sorts of things are conveniences that I think many voters are, you know, getting used to and like. Um, and what's really interesting is that uh, across the board, when it comes to the American public, there's huge support, whether you're Republican or Democrat, the American public really wants access and protected access to the ballot box. And so these things are, are wildly popular. And um, they should stay because we should be looking at how do we create systems like start with the system itself that allows for the most people to participate and then build it backwards. And that's kind of what we did during COVID in many states. Um, we allowed people to, you know, vote by mail. We allowed people um, to, you know, extend the deadlines. We allowed uh, uh, early voting. And those are things that really need to be, you know, to stay in place so that we can have that for future election cycles. And part of why we're able to see um, such high turnout. So it's really important. And I think that the, what we're now facing, though, is that there are those who um, want to see a healthy and thriving democracy and truthfully those who don't. And the people who don't are trying um, is just a select group of well-funded people who are now um, sending this model language out to state legislatures all across the country and telling, you know, Republican legislatures how, how they can effectively roll back voting rights. And that that's sort of the 
moment that we all find ourselves in. I think it's difficult because I think we all understood during, um, you know, the election season when it's top of voting is top of mind, how important it is to protect the vote. Um, one of the challenges now is making everyone realize the urgency of this current moment and the urgency of, you know, batting back these state laws, protecting access for everyone, um, and then, of course, enacting federal legislation that would make sure that we have a set of standards across the country um, to have, you know, free and fair elections into the future. First of all, I love where you're starting. I love where you're saying that we should start from a point of saying that everyone should have the most access. Love it all. I mean, do you, and I feel like we're always saying that we're at a really important inflection point do you feel like this moment is different than others? I do. Um, you know, I've been working in this space for a long time, and I know we always say every year is the most important year, and, you know, everything always, all of this work is, um, you know, is always important, but we're in a very unique moment in time in our country's history, um, and that's, you know, what we're all living through right now, and it, it um, uh, has started really, you know, well, it's started a few years ago, but I would say that the 2020 election um, was really important to protect our democracy and then getting this legislation right is essential. If we see these rollbacks happen in states across the country, and if we do not enact federal legislation, I truly don't know that we'll actually have a democracy as we currently know it. It will m more look like um, the facade of a democracy, but it won't include everybody's voice. And when you don't have um, the people deciding who their representatives are going to be and the people choosing how their communities are going to be, you know, run, um, that, that in and of itself is, kind of, you know, the erosion of our democratic ideals and principles. So I, I do believe we're in a unique moment in time. I do believe that people have to realize the urgency of this moment, I do believe that we need federal legislation to address this, and I don't think that there's a plan B. Okay, I wanted to ask you about something kind of light, and now I'm feeling like it feels really, like I'm feeling a little nervous. Like you just <laughs> made me feel like a little dark. <laughs> well, I guess I'm just going to move to my nice light topic. Um, that or, or it, do you want to keep scaring me? You can keep going. Well, I mean, we can, here's the good news, right? So I'll do the good news and then we can go. The good news is that we're seeing in several states, um, you know, legislatures bringing forward bills that are also expanding access to the ballot box, right? Um, and when I say expanding, I really mean protecting it for all. Um, and so like in New York, for instance, um, we're seeing pro-voter bills being passed. That's the good news. And so we should always look for the good news, uplift the good news. People are participating in our elections. You know, in 2016, we had really record low turnout. So in 2020, to have, you know, record high turnout, um, the highest in 100 years, that means that, you know, things are going in the right direction. We know that when young people vote um, and they're first-time voters, that uh, if we get them back uh, in the next election cycle, we're lucky, we're, we're likely to have lifelong voters on our hands. And so that's exciting. That means that engagement from the next generation is there. And I do think people are paying more attention to elections now than ever before. And I think that the American people aren't really going to, you know, sit around and be satisfied with slowly losing access to, uh, to their vote and being separated from their vote. So I think those are some of the positive things. 
Yeah, I think so too. I've, and by the way, thank you for bringing me back from the edge. Um, I think, I mean, I had read an analysis that I think is sort of interesting about Georgia, like the fact that, you know, all eyes were on Georgia and voting in Georgia this year. Um, your organization, Vote.org, had done a lot of work to help people get access to the to the polls, stay online. Um, and a lot of those tactics that we had used had now been outlawed in Georgia by the state legislature. But I'd seen an analysis that actually um, there is a prediction that it's not going to, the impact of the law is actually going to only keep like a, maybe like a couple hundred people away from being able to vote. But the emotional impact on voters of the fact that someone was trying to keep them from voting, like keep them out, is actually going to keep engagement really high. So it could end up backfiring, basically. The law I, that, that I think passed. so. I mean, in Georgia specifically, it's a really excellent point. In Georgia specifically, um, only 14% of people in Georgia approve of the voting rollbacks. That's astoundingly unpopular. Wow. Um, I've never seen people push for such, you know, state legislatures push for such unpopular uh, uh, laws. So I think you're, you're totally right. I mean, people, you know, on both sides of the aisle don't like um, these actions and it may back backfire and cause increased turnout and increased determination when you know somebody's trying to take something from you. Um, right. I don't know about you, but it makes me show up even harder every day. Uh, yeah, for sure. Okay, so now we will get to my light fluffy topic. It's actually not so light and fluffy, is that Vote.org, you and Vote.org ran a great social influencer campaign this year around voting. I've always had kind of mixed feelings about celebrities getting involved. Um, with like, I think it's done really badly a lot of the time and there ends up being in back backlash. Um, but you guys actually had a lot of success this year. So tell us about it. Oh, yes. I mean, we had great celebrity engagement this past year. I think that um, most notably, you know, Taylor Swift and uh, Kylie Jenner of telling people to register to vote. And it's what's interesting at Vote.org, we can actually see the momentum um, immediately. Like we could tell when people are, you know, hear the announcement and then come to the site and start registering. Um, we even created unique links so we could track some of it um, and tell, you know, who, who was registering. I think we had Jaden Smith um, participate this year. Um, we had a whole host. We had a, an artist, Yellow Pain, who I love, um, who also participated and made a video for us this year. And I think that um, we really did see celebrity engagement translate into people registering to vote in real time. And so that was really um Exciting. What we also did uh, in our Get Out the Vote program, though, was we worked with micro-influencers, too. Um, when our work in Georgia, we found students who had really, you know, we didn't know if people were going to be on campuses, off campuses. Um, so we found people who had large followings at their schools um, and had them post the voting information that, you know, was going to be so essential to get their classmates to participate. Um, we also worked with teams like the University of Alabama's football team in a registration effort to get campus to register. And so there are things like that that we did um, that don't hit the same sort of headlines as um, you know, as Taylor Swift, but that are also quite effective. And so we're really excited about influencer engagement and micro-influencer engagement too. So interesting. I mean, it's, it's honestly like the first time that I see anything in like the voting, democracy, like political space, actually mirroring what the rest of the country is doing in marketing, which like, I feel <laughs> yeah. like the like the political world that like you and I work in is like so far behind. Like we're still, I know. so I love seeing this kind of innovation. 
I think that there's a lot of room to like meet people where they are um, and where eyeballs already are and make sure to get them really, you know, the information that they need. Another partnership that we have this year um, was with, we're doing the same thing with some, you know, tech companies, WhatsApp, we created an innovative WhatsApp bot um, so that we could reach people with voting information through their WhatsApp um, uh, app. Or we um, worked with Nextdoor to make sure that um, they had, you know, you could volunteer if you wanted to print out materials um, for your neighbor during COVID or something like that so that people could get their absentee requests. So you just- Let me tell you, I read like every post on Nextdoor. Like I <laughs> think that is so smart to go in there. Like, I, like I'll delete a million emails, but like if it's on Nextdoor, you better believe I'm reading it. I love that. <laughs> it's true. So if it's like companies or it's influencers, you just have to find, um, you have to meet people where they are. And I think so often- um, in civics, we try to make people come to where we are. Um, and, you know, I could give a lecture on voting all day long and tell people to register to vote. Um, but if people are already listening to Taylor Swift or Jaden Smith, um, it, then it is more effective to have them, you know, uh, give voting information in ways people trust. Totally. So great to talk to you. I could talk about this all day long. I love talking to you. We'll have to bring you on again next time we have more democracy questions. CEO Andrea Haley, CEO of Vote.org. I'm Emily Tish Sussman, host of your political playlist podcast. So good to talk to you. Hope to see love you your soon podcast again. and hope to talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Your Political Playlist. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Your Political Playlist, where you can see video of my interview with Andrea and join us live to ask questions during future ones. For more from Andrea, you can follow her on Twitter at Andrea Haley or her organization, Vote.org. Join us every week for smart but bite-sized conversations with women at the seat of power and activism. Subscribe if you like us, leave us a rating, and comment to let others know. Talk to you next time.